God's people said. Amen. I was so encouraged this morning with these songs and with the thoughts of Jesus. In fact, I thought um, this last song went perfectly well with the scripture from John 1. You have some of the, the words right uh, behind me here on the wall. John 1 talks about Jesus, the light coming into the world. He was full of grace and truth. And John, the writer, said, We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Jesus actually came and took on a human body and lived among people. And he ate and walked and loved children and loved old people and loved everybody in between. And I, I've just been so encouraged thinking about Jesus this morning. I, I just enjoyed every part of the service. Brother Lowell, I, I really enjoyed thinking about how deep and how wide, how far-reaching is the love of God. And when it reaches our hearts, it's too big to stay there. It spills out to others. And the Sunday school class that I was in, our teacher, Eldon, uh, took us to, to Luke and helped us to, I think, for me at least, I felt encouraged in my belief that the Bible is trustworthy. We can trust this book, the Bible, to be true. I was also encouraged in prayer. God hears and answers prayer. And even if it was a prayer prayed years or decades earlier, God doesn't forget these things. God knows the hair on our head. He knows the thoughts before we think them. And he knows the prayers we prayed in 2017 and 2016 and 1889. I guess nobody's heard that old, but those prayers we prayed in the last century, God's remembering them. And so this angel Gabriel said to Zachariah, your prayers are heard. So it was a new thought to me that those prayers might have been from 50 years earlier when they were praying for a child. Anyway, so just a, a little word of testimony here before we get into the message. That God is on the throne, and he's also, he's alive in the world through the Holy Spirit. After Jesus left, he said, things are going to get better, boys. After I go, it's going to be better for you. And they said, I, were, uh, I would think they were thinking, how can that be? It's to your advantage that I go back to the Father, because the Holy Spirit will come, and he will live in each of your hearts. He will be with you all the time, not just coming and going from one time to another. We're going to uh, today, Lord willing, look at a story from the life of Jesus, the life of the disciples, where Jesus showed up. It's in John chapter 21. This was the third time that Jesus showed up to the group of disciples, and it's an amazing story. Now, the Apostle John was writing his gospel, and he was selecting very carefully different stories from the life of Jesus with the purpose that those who read this gospel would come to faith in Jesus. And this was basically the last story that he selected. And so as I have studied and read and reread this story and just thought about different aspects of it, tried to understand it, uh, I found myself very encouraged spiritually, very challenged, at times very painfully challenged, of my relationship with Jesus. So we get to listen in 
as Jesus and Peter have a conversation. Jesus uh, shows that that conversation would be loud enough and close enough that the Apostle John heard it. And so he, he found this story was amazing. And maybe he and Peter talked about it. You know, they worked together a lot in the book of Acts. Peter and John, after the Holy Spirit came on them, they went into the temple to pray. They raised the lame man. They were beaten together. They were thrown into prison together. And maybe they talked about it. And years later, as John's writing his gospel, he decided, you know what, that story what happened by the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and Peter talking, I think that needs to be in here too. Jesus taught a lot by stories. Jesus also taught a lot by asking questions. And in this passage, the last half of John 21, he asks at least four questions, and Peter asks at least one question. And as we read through it, you can look for those questions and you can think about questions. And Jesus was a master at asking questions, even at age 12. We've got some 12-year-olds here, maybe. Even at age 12, he was in the temple asking questions and hearing questions and giving answers. I don't know what are the most important questions in your mind that Jesus asked. Some people would nominate the question in Matthew 16, where Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? He first asked, Who do people say that I am? And then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Very important question. Who is Jesus? Who is he to us? To me, personally. Peter said, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, good job, Peter. Great, great answer. And then uh, another time, they were on the boat, and Jesus stilled the storm. And after he stilled the storm, he asked a couple questions. This is in Mark 4. Well, they had asked him a question. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? That was a kind of an accusing question, isn't it? Don't you care about us? And Jesus, after he stilled the wind and waves, he said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I think that question just stayed hanging in the air. As far as we know, Peter, who was usually pretty quick with answering questions, <laughs> As far as we know, he and the others didn't say a thing. I think that question still hangs in the air. It does for me. Why are you so afraid? Why don't you trust me? In John 6, Jesus asked the 12, as all these crowds of people were leaving, they were going and going and feeding and feeding, and the crowds were leaving. There was almost nobody left. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, and asked, are you also going to leave me? I think that's a good question for us to think of, isn't it? Are we going to follow Jesus, not give up? Well, all those are good questions, but the, the questions here uh, are a little different. So let's, let's read it. If you want to, you can stand as I read. I'm going to read from the King James Version, John 21. I'm going to start at verse... Twelve. Uh, the story, this is cutting into the middle of the chapter. Peter and uh, seven of the other disciples had decided to go fishing. Jesus had come, came to them twice and he disappeared. And they probably had to make a little money. It wasn't just fishing for fun, it was, it was fishing for a livelihood. 
And uh, Jesus appeared at the end of a long night of no fish and said, children, did you, did you catch anything? They said, no. They said, why don't you put your net on the other side? And they did. And immediately was filled with how many fish? 153 large fish. It was unbelievable. John, who's writing, looked at Peter and said, it's the Lord. I guess it was early morning enough they couldn't really make out who this man was on the shore, but they had been here before. No results, no results, disappointment. Jesus shows up and things change. But we're going to leave that part of the story and go to verse 12. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This Jesus spake, signifying by what death Peter should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself should not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Apostle John and this gospel that was so carefully written, selecting these stories that we could have our faith in Jesus increase, and that more and more and more people around the world would come to faith in him. I pray that as we look at this story, we would hear your question not only to Peter, your questions to Peter, but you would hear them in our own hearts and lives. You would help us answer, and you would help us to do your will, to follow you better. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Jesus' questions motivate us to follow him better. Soon uh, after Peter, James, John, all these disciples met Jesus, he said to them, follow me. And we've, we've heard that phrase, and probably most of us here have personally sensed Jesus calling us to follow him. And he told stories, and he did things, and he asked questions to help motivate them and to help motivate us to follow him more closely, to know him better, to love him more deeply, to trust him more, to serve our King Jesus more effectively. Peter had a lot of work ahead to do in serving Jesus. Jesus knew that. And so, after uh, this amazing catch of fish, and after breakfast, I think these disciples were so happy. They were happy they got 53 fish to sell. That'll help with their families. They were happy to have a meal. We're always happy after we are hungry and then have a meal. It's just so good. I think they were most of all happy because Jesus was there with them. Jesus was alive. He hadn't forgotten them. And he was going to tell them more about what they were going to do in the future, serving him. So he and Peter started talking. They asked Peter four questions. Three of them are kind of similar. Do you love me? But there's some little differences. And if you have more modern translations, uh, some of the modern translations uh, throw some different words in here. And I went back to the Strong's Concordance, which is the best way I know how to try to understand the, the Greek. And I just went through this passage uh, and these questions word for word, trying to understand it better. And uh, the first time he asked the question, do you love me? He added to the end of the question, or part of the question was, do you love me more than these? Now, if I would say, do you like spinach more than these? And I had a whole plate full of food. What would you say? You said more than what? Right? It's like the question is hanging. And as I understand it from my strong concordance, that's kind of how it was. Peter, do you love me more than these? And so these what? These 153 fish? This business? Some people feel that's what he meant. I, I was reading some writing of a Bible translator from Wycliffe Bible Translation. He felt that's the best understanding of this. Uh, and so does Elmer Towns, our local translator at Lynchburg. Elmer Towns uh, got to meet him for the first time uh, early this year. And I got one of his latest books. It's actually not his book. It's the Bible. But it's his translation of the New Testament, the Bible by Jesus. It's told in the first person. Like Jesus is telling the story himself. And interestingly enough, after breakfast, I said, meaning Jesus said, after breakfast, I said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more deeply than you love these nets? That's how Elmer Towns translated uh, it. also could have meant, do you love me 
more than you love these other buddies. Fishing buddies and hunting buddies are pretty close, right? We might have some here that you, you've been fishing and hunting. And I've heard men say, I go not so much for the hunting, but just for the companionship. We do every year. These three guys, and, you know, we have this trip where we go hunting. And Jesus in another time did say, you need to love me more than father, mother, brother, sister. You need to love me even more than your own life. So that could have been included. It, it also could have been, do you love me, Peter, more than these other people love me? Because Peter had made some very strong statements that, Lord, I am so committed to you in this kingdom that though everybody else is leaving, including these, Peter, James, and John, they were the three, you know, we're the three inner circle ones. God, Jesus chose that. Even if all these others leave, I will never leave you. I'm with you to prison. I'm with you to suffer. You're going to the cross? No, Lord, you're not going to the cross. That's not God's will. And Jesus turned around and said, Peter, actually he called him Satan, didn't he? Get behind me, Satan. This is not God's plan. My God's plan is I'm going to the cross. Peter said, well, if you're going to die, I'm going with you. Everybody else can leave, but I'm going with you. He made some strong, strong statements. John 13 and Mark 14 and maybe some other places too. He was very, very clear. I'm going all the way. So the question could, and, and some of the modern translations actually add this on to make it read better. Peter, do you love me more than these other disciples love, love me? Well, I don't know which makes best sense to you. Uh, I've restudied this this weekend, and I've come to my conclusion. Uh, my conclusion used to be that he maybe meant, do you love me more than these other believers do? But you know what? I think he just left it hanging for a reason. Sometimes God leaves questions hanging. And maybe Peter and John later talked about it. What did Jesus mean when he said, do you love me more than these, when he asked that first question? Did he mean the nets in the business? Did he mean the rest of the disciples? Do you love them more than... Did he, what, what did he mean? And it may well be that Peter and John talked about that, because John, I think, was a careful writer. We heard that Luke's gospel was so carefully written. I think John was a careful writer, too. <laughs> and he may have just word for word, wrote that question the way Jesus asked it. We need to love Jesus more than anything else, more than anyone else, more than any hobby, more than any other love that we have. This question is a priority question. The title of my message, I didn't give you the title, is Loving Jesus, Feeding Others. So we're first, we're, we're on the part loving Jesus. This is a priority question. Do you love me more than these? It has to do with our relationship with Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
knowing Jesus as a matter of life and death. Do we know Jesus? Does Jesus know us? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said in Matthew 7, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, and your name drive out demons, and your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you workers of iniquity. Building our life on Jesus, knowing Jesus, is a matter of life or death. And Jesus knowing us. The good thing is he wants to know us much more than we want to know him. He's so much more faithful to us than we were to him. Did Peter keep his word when he said, I'm going all the way to prison? I'm going all the way to death? Page back, a couple pages to John 18. This part of the message is for me and for all of us who have failed to keep our commitments to Jesus. You ever committed something to Jesus, promised Jesus something, then you realize you failed, you failed again. John 18, 19. I'm sorry, John 18, 18. And the servants and the officers stood there they made a, coal, a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood there with them and warmed himself. And then let's jump ahead to Simon Peter, 20, verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said unto him, Aren't you also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off. Peter was brave earlier with his sword, wasn't he? said, didn't I see you in the garden with him? Peter denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Three times Peter was asked, don't you know him? Aren't you one of his? Three times he denied. Some people think maybe the reason Jesus asked the question three times was part of his process of reinstating Peter, allowing Peter to declare, yes, I love you. I care about you. So this uh, first point I have on the question is that it's a priority-driven question. Is Jesus a priority in my life? How important is Jesus to me? Good question to ask in December. There's a lot more talk about Jesus, isn't there? A lot of Christmas carols being sung. It's a great time talk about Jesus. I was thinking about, this is December 2nd, I was thinking yesterday, oh, we got into the last month of the year already. And as I go through December, sometimes I'm thinking about New Year's resolutions. Should I even make any? Because I've broken so many in the past. And I thought to myself, I don't need to wait till January 1st to resolve to pray more, to read the Bible more, to share Jesus more with others. No, this is a great day to say, Jesus, I love you. You're number one in my life. You're the priority. And I want to recalibrate my life according to you. I want to take time to put you first in my thoughts, in my prayers. I want to pick up and dust off some of those prayers that I've gotten discouraged praying. I want to pick up 
Luke and study Luke, the story of Jesus. I want to study the Gospel of John and find my faith growing and growing and growing as I review these stories. Knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, that's my priority. And I think this question Jesus was asking Peter, am I your priority? Do you love me? The word for love that Jesus used was the word agape or agapa love, which is the highest level of love, a deep, committed love. If you have a modern translation, you may notice that Peter answered with a little different word. In the Phillips translation, Peter said, Yes, Jesus, you know that I am your friend. It's the word phileo love, from which we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love, hunting and fishing buddy kind of love. It's good. It's good we have brotherly love. That's important. But it wasn't at the level Jesus was asking. Peter, do you love me with the deepest kind of love, God's kind of love? Not just a love in word, but a love in deed, a love that will go to the cross, a love that will suffer. And Peter said, Lord, you know I'm your friend. I think he was very humble in his answer. Instead of declaring, I'm ahead of the others in my love for you. I'm going all the way with you, Jesus. I think he was acknowledging, Jesus, I haven't made you the highest priority. So it's not only a priority driven question. It's a purpose driven question because Jesus then answered, well, Peter, if you love me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed lambs. Because earlier, Peter and James and John, they'd been talking who was going to be vice president, right? (laughs) Judas was the treasurer. He probably was going to continue that job they were probably afraid of. Jesus said, I got a job for you, Peter. If you love me, if you're committed to me, if I'm your priority, you can feed lambs. And he meant people, didn't he? He meant little people. He meant babies. He meant children. He was going to get a chance to do that, too. He did it on the day of Pentecost. He did it at Cornelius' house in Acts 10. He had so many chances, and Jesus knew he was going to have chances to tell people the good news about Jesus. So what kind of curriculum should we have in our teaching and preaching? We should have a Jesus-saturated curriculum. And you can read, Peter preached, I think, about six sermons that are recorded in the book of Acts. They're full of Jesus and the resurrection. They're also full of needing to repent and believe in him, change, turn from our wicked ways and turn to Jesus. So this is a priority type question. How important is our relationship to Jesus? Also a purpose driven question. We really love him. If he's our priority, we'll want to work for him. The second time he asked the question, he didn't include this last part about, do you love me more than these? He just said, Peter, do you love me? Peter gave the same answer. Yes, I'm your friend. And Jesus then 
said feed my sheep, or actually used a little different word. Instead of feed, it was tend my sheep or shepherd my sheep. Not sure why. There's a slight difference in words, but anybody that takes care of animals knows there's more than feeding. There's watering. There's looking after their health. There's guiding and all kinds of things. Cleaning the stalls. Planning ahead. The third time Jesus asked the question, he used the friendship word, which is maybe partly why Peter felt so, so sad, so hurt, so ashamed, so terrible. Reading from the Phillips translation, the third time, let me get back to the actual verse number. Verse 17? Verse 17. I'm trying to uh, take these questions in order. Verse 17, the third time. Jesus asked, this is from the Phillips, which is an English translation from about 70 years ago. For the third time, Jesus spoke to him and said, Simon, son of John, are you my friend? But this time, instead of saying, do you love me, he said, are you my friend? Peter was deeply hurt because Jesus' third question to him was, Are you my friend? And Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I am your friend. Then feed my sheep, Jesus said to him. And then he went on to talk some more about what Peter was to expect down the road. I wrote here, this is not only a priority-driven question, do you love me? It's not only a purpose-driven question, but it's a painful question. I tell you truly, Peter, when you were younger, this is verse 18, you used to dress yourself and go where you liked. But when you are an old man, you're going to stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by crucifixion by which Peter was going to honor God. That would be painful to carry the rest of your life that I'm going to die by crucifixion. I think that would bother me a lot. Peter carried that with him. And according to some history that I read, supposedly he was so in love with Jesus that when they came time to crucify him, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel he could be honored to die in the same way Jesus did. I think throughout his life, Peter was learning about loving Jesus and putting Jesus first and having Jesus his priority to have Jesus' business and Jesus' assignments. That's my purpose. I just want to do whatever Jesus wants me to do. I think that's how Peter became, because it was a huge change, and it didn't happen all at once. It was a process. Peter liked to do what he wanted to do. He could take care of his nets, his boats, his family. He didn't need others. But Jesus was telling him, Peter... At the end of your life, other people are going to be telling you where to go, and they're going to be telling you what to do. 
That's my plan for you, Peter. So I think this question of do you love me for Peter and for us has some painful aspects to it. Not just at the end of life, but maybe this week. You've got some painful things you're, you're going to need to face. That's going to vary, I'm sure, from one person to another. I don't know what you're dreading most about this week coming up. Or maybe even today, you're dreading something. <laughs> but Jesus knows and Jesus cares. And the Holy Spirit of Jesus in our hearts can help us as we go face those painful, difficult assignments, whatever they are. Now, 19, verse 19, I, I didn't read the last part. I don't know if anybody noticed that. 19a, Jesus said this to show what kind of death crucifixion Peter was going to honor God. But then 19b, in a way it almost seems like a new thought. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And that leads into the fourth question. And this question is, is that your business? Verse 20, Peter turned around and noticed the disciple that Jesus loved following them. So I guess they finished breakfast. Jesus said to Peter, follow me, and Jesus starts walking off. That's pretty special. Have some one-on-one -on -one time, talk time with Jesus. But Peter's troubled by what he just heard. You're going to die on a cross. You're not going to be in control of your own life anymore, Peter. So, old habits die hard. Can anybody testify to that? Peter had the habit of looking, and the others did too, looking at the other disciples, <laughs> trying to calibrate, figure out where, where are they with Jesus. I mean, I think the right thing, wouldn't we agree, was Jesus says, follow me, and he starts walking in a certain direction. We should just quietly follow, watching his steps, going with him. But Peter got distracted, and so do I, and I think other people do too. Uh, we look to the left, we look to the right. He's thinking about not following Jesus, but he's thinking about this horrible death that's going to come. What's ahead for him? What about John? How's he going to die? What's he supposed to do for you? What about his assignment? I don't know what all was in Peter's question. And Jesus answered with a question. If it's my will for John to be still alive when I come back, is that your business, Peter? You follow me. Guess if there's any one thing we should all take home from this story, from this message, is follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. John clarified, and I, I like to think that Peter and John, as they sat in prison later suffering for Jesus, they talked about this story. And John, as he wrote this, may well have remembered some great conversations with Peter because they became best of friends and missionaries together. And they, I would like to believe, agree that Jesus didn't say that John's going to live till he comes back. He just said, follow me, Peter. Let me take care of John. 
You do what I'm telling you to do. Jesus is calling. Follow me. Will you answer his call? What's he calling me to do? What's he calling you to do? Where's he calling you to go? How's he asking me to suffer for him? And how's he desiring me to relate to the other Jesus followers? I think all Christians are called to feed other Christians encouragement. Feed Jesus to other people. You children, you can encourage each other in amazing ways to follow Jesus. And you know what? I'll let you in on a secret. You children, you may have heard this before, but maybe you haven't. You children can also encourage your parents and grandparents to follow Jesus. And so we older people, we need to listen up. Listen to Jesus. And listen to the children and young people and older people. Tell us about Jesus. So how is Jesus desiring me to relate to other Jesus followers? This is talking about church and brotherhood and community. I write two things. I think we need to engage in each other with a pure heart of fervent love, caring for one another, feeding each other Jesus. Back when Jeff was young, I felt so inadequate as a parent. And I think all the parents here can relate. There's so much need as a parent to know how to parent well. So about every year or two, I read a different book on parenting. And I got different ideas from different books. But if there's any one thing that I can remember that was most helpful, and I'll pass it to you parents who have young children, Feed your children Jesus. Take your children to Jesus. They're never too young to pray with. When they're struggling with something, admit, I can't fix this. You can't fix this, but Jesus can fix it. And the best thing we can do for each other in a church, I believe, is feed each other Jesus. Pray for each other. As we did this morning, we prayed for different needs. And those of you that were specifically prayed for, this week you're going to be helped because the other Jesus followers, we acknowledge, we can't give the answers, but Jesus can. We're going to go ask Jesus. Let's ask Jesus. So we can engage with one another with a pure heart of fervent love for Jesus and for one another and feed each other the good words of Jesus. And this second part of how God wants us to relate together, how God wants me to relate to you, and this was really tough for me, very painful. I need to release my efforts at controlling other Christians. Peter needed to do it with John. He needed to let Jesus take care of John. We need to let Jesus take care of each other. And that gets real close to home, those of you that are married. You need to let Jesus take care of your spouse instead of trying to control your spouse and change your spouse and preach at your spouse. Nan and I are still learning how to do this. Sometimes we do it better than others. 
This week, there was actually a time I think we did it pretty well. I felt I should go to a meeting of other Christians. She felt she should stay home and pray for an hour. And we both supported each other in doing what Jesus wanted us to do. And we were both blessed. She was blessed in her hour of prayer. I was blessed by going here. Actually, I heard a sermon from First Peter. You want to feed people Jesus, and you wonder, well, what did Peter do the rest of his life feeding people Jesus? Read his sermons in the book of Acts, and read his two books, First and Second Peter. I went through First and Second Peter a whole bunch of times the last few months. And those words of First and Second Peter just will feed your soul. So I just want to encourage you, husbands and wives, give each other space. Parents and children, grandparents, brothers and sisters in the church. Let's feed each other Jesus, but let's also give each other space to follow Jesus, because he calls people in different ways. Even in the, in the course of a day or an evening, we may want one person to be doing one thing and one another. So, summary thoughts. Following Jesus. This was kind of looking at the whole story as I summarized it in my mind. Following Jesus is rooted in my personal relationship with him. It grows out of my love for him. It's more important than any other relationship. It involves feeding others, accepting others as Jesus accepts them, loving others as Jesus loves them. It includes suffering for Jesus and with Jesus. It includes letting others tell me what to do. I didn't talk about that. Jesus told Peter, later in your life, you're going to let others dress you and put you on a cross. Following Jesus includes letting others tell me what to do. Following Jesus allows, it involves you know, allowing Jesus to direct others as he chooses. And finally, a, a blessing verse from Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace who brought, now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.